Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Concerning the economically unstable times that we live in, it is a great idea to convert some of your savings into real money. Now, there is a big difference between real money and what we call money, which is actually just currency. So our dollar is currency, which fluctuates. Real money, on the other hand, like silver, for example, is a store of value over time. The best way to think of it is like this. If you had saved $1,000 in cash back in the late 60s, the late 1960s, that $1,000 would still be $1,000 technically, but it would buy you significantly less today due to inflation. Now, if you had saved that same $1,000 in silver, back in the 1960s. Today, it would be worth around $28,000. So one of the best ways to protect your purchasing power is in real money, more specifically, silver. You can buy and have the metal shipped discreetly to your door, and what most people don't know is that you can actually convert your IRA or even a 401k into physical silver, rather than having all of your life savings tied up in the paper fiat system which is subject to hyperinflation. Go to dailyrenegade.com and click on the Cornerstone Asset Metals banner. This is the only company that I personally trust with this kind of thing. Click on that and sign up to get your free silver report today. One of the financial experts will speak with you to find out the best way to protect your savings going forward in these uncertain times. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Sharpening Report. I am your host, Josh Peck. We do not have a guest today, but the whole point of The Sharpening Report has always been brothers and sisters in Christ sharpening each other, just the way that Scripture tells us that we're supposed to do. Uh, so I wanted to do that today, and I feel like I've been led to discuss Proverbs 10. Um, there's something about something about it really stuck with me. Uh, today while I was while I was reading and I wanted to go through this chapter and just kind of talk about some things and how we can apply this to our daily lives. Now the important thing to know about proverbs are these are not guarantees. <laughs> some people read the book of proverbs as if they're guarantees like you know raise up a child in the way he should go and he won't depart from it. So then when parents have uh children that they've the parents have raised the children Christian and then when the child goes off to college or you know, grows up more and they fall away from the faith sometimes. Sometimes the parents blame themselves because they remember that proverb and they think, I, mu I must not have raised them right. That's that's not what the proverb's really saying. It's not a guarantee. It's not a promise. These are just kind of like general life lessons that we can learn from that generally, if you do this, this should happen. Um, not going to be in every case. There's always going to be exceptions. But that's that's what the point of Proverbs is. It's it's basically follow these and you have the best shot at, uh, you know, righteousness or uh, staying in the faith, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> um, 
So Proverbs 10, we're going to just start in verse 1 and, and go through these. The, the Proverbs of Solomon. And if you want to follow along at home, uh, I'm reading from the ESV. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Now that, that I find really interesting, that it doesn't say sorrow to his father. It says sorrow to his mother. And if you, if I can remember when I was, when I was young and rebellious and frankly, foolish and stupid, uh, I, I can remember it grieved my mother in a much different way than my stepdad. Um, my, my father, um, divorced my mom and left and has no contact with me, my real dad, but, but my, my stepdad was kind of the, the substitute at that time. Um, but there is a much different reaction typically from fathers than there are mothers. Uh, m- mothers, when their son is acting foolishly or, or misbehaving or getting into trouble, being rebellious, there's a real deep hurt there. And for fa- for fathers, there is too, but it's it's different. It's it's more it's more on the anger side, I guess. Uh, typically, just generally. So. I think that's a really wise thing of Solomon to uh, have realized that, you know, a wise son makes a glad father. And if you think about that in the, in the opposite, when uh, a son does good, of course, the mom's proud and everything, but there's a different kind of, there's a different kind of happiness. There's a different kind of uh, pride, not bad pride, good pride. You know, uh, it's, it's good to be proud of your kids when they do something good. There's a different kind of, of, of pride for the father than there is for the month for the mother. Um, so if you're, if you're young, even if you're not young, if your parents are still alive, <laughs> you're, you're still a son, you're still a daughter. If your parents are still alive, keep, keep this in mind and also keep it in mind with your own kids. Te- teach your kids with that. Um, <clears throat> verse two treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Uh, it, that word profit is interesting because in, in this, the treasures are already gained. So you would think, well, isn't that profit? It's not the real profit that we should be worrying about. You know, that, that, that's material profit. That's material gains. That's basically nothing. All of that's going to turn to rust and dust. Um, but what is it? This is telling us what true gain, true profit is. And it's a uh, delivery from death through righteousness. And ultimately, we would say that that's acceptance of the Messiah. That's acceptance of Jesus Christ and following in his ways. Verse 3. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. So God takes care of his own. God provides for those who, who actually want him to, you know, and and who prove it by um, following in his ways. But, but what else? He, he thwarts the craving of the wicked. So the wicked, they have cravings. They think that the things that they want are good, but God thwarts that meaning he, he does away with it. Um, he, he messes up their plans. And, and again, these are general, these are general statements. Um, of course, I am sure there's a, somewhere in the world, there's a Christian homeless person that's hungry. All right, but that's an exception. These aren't promises to be taken like exactly literally in every single case. These are just general, um, ge- just general things. If you're righteous, if you if you walk in the ways of the Lord, if you love Him and follow Him, He'll provide for you. 
but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Verse 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now that's just easy, you know, don't be lazy. <laughs> um, I'm not saying everybody in poverty is lazy, but I also would not say that nobody in poverty is lazy. Generally, laziness, not wanting to work, that's going to cause poverty. Um, but the hand of the diligent, hard work, that can make you rich. That can, and, and it's not, it's not to be rich, but it's it's to be provided for. That you, if you work hard, you work diligently, uh, you'll have more opportunities to provide for yourself and for your family. And of course, you you work diligently by doing it righteously, doing it for Jesus, even if we don't feel like it. Um, you know, even to, even today, uh, I, I I always want to do these, but I've I've been extremely tired today. I've, I've kind of had a rough couple of days, nothing serious, but, but it, it, well, you could keep us in prayer. It's, it's mainly about Nathan's health. You could keep him in prayer. It's, it's not, it's not cancer related. So don't worry about that. For, for those who aren't familiar, my uh, eight-year-old son, Nathan um, has, we, we found out when he was five years old, he had cancer and we've been going through this whole thing. He's in remission. Um, but, he also has some mental health issues and, uh, those have been getting extreme lately, but, um, so you you can keep Nathan in prayer. That would be great. Um, verse five, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now this kind of mirrors what verse four was saying. When the time is right, if you gather and do the work, then that's prudent. That's great. Uh, that's excellent. But if you're lazy when there's a harvest, that is a son who brings shame. Let me ask you something. Is there a harvest right now? <laughs> look, look at the world we live in. Um, if we're not out there preaching the, the gospel and gathering during this harvest, we're at risk for being a son who brings shame. So, you know, we could apply it like that today. So it is definitely time to gather, get, get out there, preach the gospel, get people saved, bring them to the Lord. Verse six, uh, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Before I talk about that, I wanted to just finish my last thought. Cause I realized I left that just hanging there. Um, I, what, what I was saying is even this video, I, I always love doing these, and, but even today I've been just so exhausted. I, I have, I didn't want to do it. And I actually sat here for a minute thinking, oh man, do I really want to do this today? You know, may, maybe if I do it tomorrow, I'll, I'll have rested better. And, uh, you know, you come up with these excuses to not do stuff. But as I was reading this, um, you know, that, that came up and it's, it's like, okay, now har harvest is ripe doesn't matter if I don't feel like doing it, I'm going to do it and I'm going to enjoy it. And I am enjoying it. Uh, and, and, but it does, it, it's not even really about me though. That's the point. When you work hard, you're not working hard for yourself. That's part of it. Cause you want to provide for yourself, but you're serving others. If you're doing ministry work, if you're gathering in the harvest in the sense of you're getting people saved and you're uh, talking about your friends and family, um, about, you know, to them about Jesus, you're serving them. You're doing it for them. You're not doing it for yourself. Uh, so the, 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 the gathering and the work and all that, it's not only for yourself. You do it to serve other people. 
Uh, all right, once again, verse 6. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Uh, so that one's pretty self-explanatory. If, if you follow in the ways of righteousness, God will bless you for that. It doesn't always mean money or material things. It, it can sometimes, but sometimes it's just knowledge. Sometimes uh, it's wisdom. Uh, he, he, will, he, he will bless you for that. But the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. So the memory of the righteous is a blessing. Think about those Christians who, who have passed on that have been so influential to you. I, I can think of many right now. We lost a lot during the COVID pandemic. Their memory is a blessing, isn't it? I mean, even just thinking about some of them now starts to bring tears to my eyes. But the name of the wicked will rot. The, the, the wicked are forgotten, ultimately. Um, and even if they are remembered, they're not remembered for anything good. Everybody remembers Hitler. But I would say his name is definitely rotten, wouldn't you? So walk in the ways of the righteous. And we all have this internal desire to be remembered after we die. It's some psychological fear of death thing. It's actually a, a human thing. Uh, and it, it ties into the fact, my theory on it, it ties into the fact that we all kind of know, believer or unbeliever, we all kind of know that we're not supposed to die. You know, death is kind of unnatural. It's a, it's a, it's a curse. It's not supposed to be that way. We're actually created for eternal life. We're supposed to have that. But something, something's wrong. We have this curse. So to, especially unbelievers, some believers too, but they... They will, use, they will use that and use their life to try to make a name for themselves so that they'll be remembered after they die for something great because that's the closest thing to immortality we can achieve on our own. Now, for me, I say forget all that. Don't even worry about that. Um, I want God to remember my name. I don't care if I'm remembered. <laughs> Uh, th this this world is going to pass away someday anyway, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. I want I want my name to be remembered. I want my name to be recorded in the book of life. Uh, and I, I think as Christians, that that's probably the way that we should look at it. But also, if we can if we can be good to our Christian brothers and sisters in such a way that after we die, our memory is a blessing to them. That that is excellent. See, see how that's different than when people make a name for themselves. They're, they're trying to be remembered so it's a blessing to themselves, you know, selfishly. But I, I want to be a good Christian and I want to be good to everybody I meet as much as I can. Because how great would it be that even after my death, my, my memory still blesses them in some way. I, I have people like that. Um, th that have passed on, that their memory still blesses me. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. That's that's a lot better than just making a name for ourselves and, you know, writing a book just to be remembered or something like that. And uh, and this is coming from an author, that, uh, but that's not why I write books. I, I write books ultimately to serve all of you as best I can. Verse 8, The wise of heart will receive commandments but a babbling fool will come to ruin. If you are wise, you want commandments from God. You want instruction. You even want discipline, even if it's uncomfortable. 
because you trust God and you love God, you know he knows best, even if you don't feel like it at the time, even if you feel like you want to do something different, even if you're uncomfortable. But if you are wise, you put your emotions aside and you just decide, I'm going to be uncomfortable then. Because God's instruction is perfect, his commandments are true, and I want to receive those. And ultimately, you know, they're not going to be, it's not going to, you're not going to be uncomfortable forever. I mean, when you start to receive them, this is, this is a lesson I had to learn early on uh, in my adulthood, but early on years ago, <clears throat> and I'm still not perfect at it. Nobody is. But early on, I had to, I had to force myself. I had to really make, cause I, I was ruining my own life. I, I was a drug addict. I was into new age garbage. I, I was ruining my life. Um, and I had to, I, I was realizing people around me were, were suffering because of my mistakes and I was suffering too. Um, but more so probably the people around me. And I, I had to force myself to ask God, to beg God, give me your instruction, change my heart, give me your commandments. Um, make it uncomfortable on me. Make it so uncomfortable that, that I, I will finally do the right thing. Um, and it was, it was a long process, of course. It always is. Uh, well, not always. Some, sometimes people can get delivered of things immediately, but that's not that's not super common, but it does happen. Um, but it was a long process. I, I got off drugs, got out of New Age, cleaned up my life, and, and it was because I was finally, I had hit rock bottom, and I was finally to the point where I was willing to receive God's commandments. Before that, I was a babbling fool who was coming to ruin. If I would have kept up in that, I probably would be I probably would have died a long time ago and I don't think many people would have had very fond memories of me at all. I, my memory would not have blessed anybody. Um <clears throat> but praise be to God. It, it was all it was all him. It wasn't me. Pra praise be to God. He the only thing I did was accept what he was offering. I accepted his instructions. A good son will receive instructions from his father. Uh, a, a good son isn't going to fight with his father when his father is trying to instruct him and, and tell him what the right thing to do is. Now, of course, of course, all earthly fathers, you know, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes too. Uh, so we need to realize that. But that does not give the son license to to, to, to be a babbling fool, basically to be a babbling fool against his father or something. I mean, th think, think, I think back when I was younger, how many arguments I had with my stepdad, I was a babbling fool. Um, and it was because at that time I, I was, I was young. I was stupid. I was not receiving commandments. I wasn't receiving his instructions, even though he, he wasn't telling me to do anything wrong. I just, I just didn't like the way that he was <laughs> telling me, you know, I, I was, I was basically being a wuss about it. Uh, and I wasn't understanding, I wasn't allowing myself to understand what my stepdad was actually trying to do. You know, he's, he was imperfect too. Uh, every, we all are, but he was trying to train me so that I could grow up to be a respectable man. It took years, <laughs> but, uh, and he, he had some growth to do too. Uh, but, um, we we did finally get to a place where that relationship happened and it's been stable ever since um so the wisest thing that you can do is not wait for that uh now 
if you have a situation where, like in my situation, my my biological father, he's a completely dangerous, untrustworthy person, and I'm not saying that to insult him. It's just the truth. Uh, he, he's he's criminal in and out of jail his whole life. It's uh, it would be dangerous for me, and for my family, to try to mend that relationship. And I, I have tried before, and it did turn out to be dangerous. Um, now. The last thing that I've ever I ever said to him, I, I gave him my email address, and I said I don't plan on ever changing my email address. So you have a way to contact me. The door is always open if you decide to turn your life around. But until that time, I can't have you in my life. You're you're dangerous to me. You're dangerous to my kids. Um, it just can't happen. I forgive you for all of it. I'm not going to hold hate in my heart towards you. But. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. It would be irresponsible of me to keep you in my life. And so, of course, he got upset and told me off, basically. And that was that was that was it. Uh, I still have that email address, by the way. He he's he could reach out any time, but but it would have to be a true repentance. Uh, after my mom died, he did reach out to me, and it turned out it, it he he was he was kind of doing a fake repentance thing. Turned out a lot of the stuff that he told me was lies. He what what had actually happened is he found out um, I had a book published, and I I think this was the motivation because it really seemed that way the way things turned out. Uh, it's I think he thought I had a lot of money, and I think he thought he could manipulate me out of some of that. But the truth was my first book was self-published. I didn't make anything. Like, <laughs> it, it took years before I started making anything from, from writing books and doing what I'm doing now. And I mean, even now it's not, you know, we're not like rich or anything. Um, so there are situations in life like that where, uh, you have to, you have to kind of decide, is this person righteous or not? And if not, are they willing to be repentant or not? So you, you, you have to kind of judge it that way, but you can't fall into the trap of judging it too harshly like I did with my stepdad. So with my stepdad, I judged him way too harshly. Um, and because of that, I let that be my excuse to not listen to him. And I would argue with him a lot. I was a babbling fool who was coming to ruin. Uh, but once we finally reconciled once we finally once I finally decided uh well what happened was he my, my mom passed away and that really did something to my stepdad and uh he, he called me he apologized for anything that he had ever done and um I'm telling you the difference between my real dad and my stepdad is night and day like my stepdad has never been abusive um so the the little bit that he had to apologize for it, it was it was stuff that I was purposely taking wrong anyway. So uh, he said, you know, your your mom always wanted me me and you to get along and for us to be kind of like father and son. And I I really want to do that. You know, can we start over? Do you forgive me? And I said, of course, of course, I forgive you. And we put the we put the whole past behind us. Um, and I mean, he's like one of my best friends now. He's he's fantastic. But it was. It, I, I think it, it was an attitude change on both sides, but I think more so for me. Because I, I would not, looking back on what growing up with him was like, I, I would not consider him a babbling fool that was coming to ruin. Um, 
I, I think he was doing his best to try to bring me up the best way he knew how. And he didn't grow up with a father, so he didn't really have an example. I think he was just doing the best with what he what he had. And I I just wasn't I, I was choosing to not see that at the time. So I, I was being really selfish. Um so if you if you've got some family members, if you've got stuff that can be reconciled, if it's something that isn't a dangerous situation, but something that can be reconciled if you just set your ego, set your pride aside, you should do it. So that, that was verse 8. Again, the, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. And that's not always from your father. Sometimes, uh, I mean, I think that in this it's talking about God, specifically commandments from God. But sometimes you receive those teachings in other ways. Uh, sometimes you'll listen to a, a pastor you really like, and and you'll you'll be you'll have been praying for something for a while, like something that you're really struggling with, and then you get the answer there. So you know that's it, it's not only the pastor just telling you that. Sometimes it can be God speaking through the pastor to give you that answer. So we should always be ready to receive instruction and commandments from God. Verse nine. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. When you're walking in integrity, you know, when you have integrity, when you're a respectable person, you're following God, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You have, you, there's a security in that. There's a security in that, that you know that no matter what happens, God's got you, you're okay. Um, but if you go through your life, making your ways crooked, meaning like, you know, scheming and trying to get away with stuff, rebelling, uh, trying to sneak around or, you know, wh whatever, trying to take stuff that's not yours or any number of things. There's any, there's a number of ways that a person can make his ways crooked. It says that will be found out. And th think about that. Think about how often criminals actually do get prosecuted and then documentaries are made and their sins are just available for the whole world. Not even that. If you live in a small town, when, when somebody cheats on their wife, I mean, that, that gets around, doesn't it? This, when, when, you're, when your ways are crooked, you'll be found out. People do find out. The truth always comes out. Ultimately, the truth comes out at the judgment. Um, so no matter what, you cannot keep that hidden forever. So it's best to allow yourself to recognize now what you're doing, if you're doing something wicked, if you're doing something crooked. Don't justify it in your mind as it's okay because of this or that. Just leave all that aside because that stuff will be found out. Um, if you're parents uh, and, and you have kids, think about how often, especially if they're young, think about how often your children have tried to get away with stuff thinking, oh, I got away with it one time. I'm going to do it again. I, I can get away with this forever. And then and then you find out after a while, don't you? I mean, you, you're, and you and you probably like me, you tell your kids, I'm, I'm always going to find out. I'm not perfect, but you're just not good at this. <laughs> and you shouldn't be good at this. Quit sneaking around. Quit trying to get away with stuff. Um, so I, I think that's a, that's a really, really good one for, for children and for adults, because there's a lot of adults that live this way, too. Verse 10, whoever winks the eye causes trouble and a babbling fool will come to ruin. Now notice that it says the babbling fool will come to ruin and this is now the second time it repeats it. Usually in the Bible when something is repeated a second time like that, it's extra emphasis. It's like really pay attention to this. A babbling fool will come to ruin. What does babbling mean? You, you, you know these people. They think they're smart. 
they're actually foolish and they'll just talk, 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 talk. They'll explain everything away. Every, every, everything is somebody else's fault. A lot of times these people will act like this. I mean, there's different types of babbling fools, but, but it's, it's the babbling that, that really defines them. Uh, sometimes it's different what they babble about. But they'll, they'll, they'll run their mouth and not really consider what they're saying. And that is what eventually becomes their ruin. Verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. We got another, uh, the, the concealing of violence there. Think about a blessing it is, the things that you choose to say. Are you blessing somebody? Or are you, in a sense, cursing somebody? And I, I don't mean blessings in there is power in the tongue and all that. We know that from Proverbs, but I don't believe that's like a magical spell that like, there are people like when I, when I talk about my bone disease, there are people that will say, Oh, don't, don't, don't own it. Don't say my bone disease. You're just, you're just, you're speaking curses into your own life. That's why you still have a bone disease. That's why you have never been healed. And that is ridiculous. It's not a magical incantation. That's just how the English language works. Um, but you can speak curses into your life. Uh, in, in a more practical way, um, if you badmouth people at work, I mean, you're going to be known as a gossip. That that's that that is going to bring you to ruin. But uh, if you're speaking blessings into people, meaning you're you're building them up, you're giving them good, you know, advice, uh, just being a good friend. It says the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So we as the righteous, we as Christians, we need to keep that in mind. Every word that we say, we're going to have to give an account for someday. Uh, so let's speak blessings into people's lives and, and, and keep in mind, it's not a magical spell. You, there, there's, there's not a collection of words that you can say that is automatic blessing every time. It just means speak to somebody and have the motivation to want to bless them. Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Isn't that a perfect definition of what God has done for us? What Jesus has done for us on the cross, love covers all offenses. And, and keep that in mind, too. If you have hatred in your heart, just the fact that it's there, that is going to stir up strife. You're, you're going to bring more problems, not only on yourself, but those around you. But if you decide that you're going to put that aside, put your ego, pride aside, whatever it is, forgive whoever wronged you. And again, forgiveness does not mean automatically a reconciliation of re uh, relationship because you, you can forgive somebody and that person could be a really dangerous person and you, you can't. You can't be around them. Um, but you, you can, in, in your heart, between you and God, decide I'm not going to hold hatred for this person anymore. Uh, I don't want to stir up strife. I want that hate replaced with love. And then that will cover all offenses. This is why I don't, I, I don't hate my dad. Um, I want him to get saved. I would love for that to happen. I, I pray for him. Uh, it'd be great if you guys prayed for him too. But I don't, I don't hate him. Whatever offenses were caused, you know, there, there's some, there's some lasting PTSD and stuff like that, but that's, that's, that's like, that, that's more brain issues. You know, that's not like a soul spirit heart issue. Um, but love covers all offenses. I don't hate him. I want to see him saved. 13 on the lips of him who has understanding wisdom is found but a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. 
Now think about how uh, just the dichotomy there. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. You know, that sounds, that sounds really nice and uh, poetic. But, but then how harsh is the next one? But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense, which, you know, of course, invokes images of like beating somebody with a rod just for lacking sense. We are accountable uh, for our actions, for our own thoughts. If we lack sense, we're accountable for that. Now, that's not that's obviously not talking about people who have legitimate um, psychological issues if they're mentally handicapped that's not at all what it is talking about if you are a capable person um and you are willingly lacking sense then you're gonna you're gonna bring on harsh consequences for that 14 the wise lay up knowledge but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near see we have that we have that again the mouth of a fool brings... Isn't it interesting how when it talks about the fool, it always talks... It seems to talk about the mouth a lot because it's what they say. What they say brings ruin near. But the wise, it doesn't say anything about talking. It just says the wise lay up knowledge. So the wise are going to learn. They're going to learn things. And it says nothing about how much or how little they're talking. But the, the direct opposite of that is the mouth of a fool brings ruin near because the mouth of a fool, a fool thinks they're wise. Fools think they're wise. They think they know what they're talking about, right? They think all this stuff that they're spouting out is the truth and everybody else is lying. <laughs> that brings ruin. And I, I'm sure many of you know many, many, many people that this verse could be an example of. 15. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. And that kind of connects back with working hard and being lazy. So a rich man's wealth is a strong city. Now, does that mean every rich man works hard? No, of course not. Again, like we said, uh, general rules. But if you're, if you're righteous and you're in the Lord and you happen to be wealthy, uh, maybe you worked really hard for that. That's your strong city. Uh, if you're not a believer and you've been lazy your whole life and you can't hold down a job and you're poor, well... The poverty of the poor is their ruin. General rule. 'The wage this is verse 16. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. So that that's pretty self-explanatory. It's just if you're righteous, your reward is life. And we know if you accept Jesus, the ultimate reward is eternal life. But the gain of the wicked is sin. The gain of the wicked to sin. So if you're if you're wicked, that that's that's your reward. Just more sin, which brings about death. So it, it's basically eternal life versus eternal death. Seventeen. Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. Now that's really interesting, and this this happens a lot. It's not that he, he's only leading himself astray. If you reject reproof, and reproof is somebody correcting you. And that doesn't mean that everybody that corrects you is necessarily right. There's, there's, there's a lot of times people try to correct me online, and it's something that I never even did. So not all correction is going to apply. But when there's correction and you know it's right, it's from a trusted source, 
And even though if it, if it hurts to hear and not, not that they're being mean, but nobody likes being told that they're doing something wrong, especially when they know in deep inside they are. Um, if you, if you reject that, not only are you led astray, but you lead others astray. And why? Because other people see that other people see that. And then it gives them an excuse to do the same thing. It's their excuse to, well, he, he rejected that. I I don't think I'm going to listen to it either. Think about how much that happens online. Um, there's a lot of so-called discernment ministries out there. You know, I, well, I'll give you an example. Year, years ago, uh, Derek Gilbert, myself, and a couple others at Skywatch, we got accused of <laughs> we got we got accused of um, like throwing up satanic hand signs while we were doing our videos or something. Of course, it was just totally ridiculous. You know, people talk with their hands, and you know, if you if you freeze frame on on a certain frame, you can you can make it look like anybody's doing anything. But um, of course. Uh, we, I, I did a short video on it and it, it, and just, just to address it. Uh, but the person doing it or people doing it, they, they don't receive reproof. So what happens? They, they lean into it even more and then more people get involved and they, more people start saying, yeah, they're Illuminati plant. And then now, now you got, you got even more. See, so that's what happens. And so that person is leading others astray with, with things like that. Because he's rejecting reproof. He's, he's rejecting the correction. I've seen people l- lose their jobs for the very same thing. You know, they have a pride problem. They they have a chance to um, be corrected, but they don't accept the correction. They don't, they reject the reproof. So not only are they leading themselves, but they're leading others astray. But whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. You, you should, you should want to, pr- you should want to crave instruction. You, you want instruction from God, even if it hurts, even, e- even if you don't agree. But if it's from God, if it's correction from God, then instead of making excuses to justify bad behavior, you know, making excuses on why you had to be mean to this person or rude to this person or what, whatever, whatever it is, instead of that, we want to accept the correction, uh, and accept accept the reproof and not not only so we don't lead ourselves astray but so we don't have to be responsible and accountable for leading others astray as well uh that would be a scary place to be in when it's time to stand face to face with god 18 the one who conceals hatred has lying lips and whoever utters slander is a fool so that's just cut and dry if you utter slander if you slander somebody, you're a fool. There's no, there's just no reason for it. Now, slander, you know, it's it's different than saying like, "Hey, there's this, there's this teacher." Here, here's the difference. Let's say, um, let's say there's a, a teacher who's who's teaching something that you disagree with. Now, you you could handle this one of two ways. You you could tell your friends or you know put a post online or whatever and say. Hey, this, this specific teacher, or there's a teaching or whatever that says this, this, or this, be careful because of these reasons. The Bible says this, I believe this person is in error. If I'm, if I'm wrong, I pray the Lord correct me, but I believe he's in error. Uh, so please pray for him, but may, it might be a good idea to avoid his teachings, uh, until he, he repents or something like that. Now that that's not slander that that's just 
That's just being a good Christian. Now, where it's slander is when you hurl insults at that person because you feel like you have an excuse now to be hateful. You feel like, oh, because they did something wrong. I'm not going to offer any grace. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask people to pray for them. I'm just going to hurl insult after insult after insult at that person. I'm going to stir up hatred online. That's more often what you see. And people wonder why things never get fixed. Um, I mean, it says right here, that's foolish. That is a fool thing to do. That's not going to work. But we have to be careful of those who conceal hatred because it says here they have lying lips. You, you could have a person who's who's not seeming to be hateful, but they're they're concealing hate in their heart and they're lying to you. So you got to be really careful and you got to really listen to what people are saying and really try to understand their heart before you trust them too much. Because I'll, I'll tell you one thing, people can't fake it forever. They, they try, but people can't fake it forever. If you, if you get to know somebody long enough and if they do have some issue, some heart issue, it, it will eventually come out. They can't fake it forever. Um, verse 19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Oh my goodness. How many times I have, I have, I have done this myself. How many times many of us have done this ourselves? Um, I mean, social media is the obvious, probably best example of this. Uh, people just kind of online running their mouths on things that they don't know what they're talking about. And in that, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, meaning transgression is plentiful. Sin is plentiful when words are many. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So when we, when we actually take time to keep quiet, one of the best skills that you can learn as a Christian is to be quiet. Especially when there's clamor, anger, if there's like arguing going on, the best thing that you can do is be quiet. Um, somebody's insulting you, calling you names. The best thing you can do is be quiet. Whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Uh, and and I think we Christians as a whole need to learn this lesson, myself included, need to learn this lesson a lot better. Definitely myself included. I've I've done that a lot. I've got a propensity to over-explain things, especially um, especially if it's if it's a, against an unrepentant person who I feel has done me wrong in some way. I I've, I I have a tendency to to do that. And, uh, so that, that's, you know, we all have our stuff that we need to work on. And when I'm doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm just using the justification. Well, I'm just trying to be honest. I'm trying to be absolutely honest and, and give them the most information I can about what's happening and what, and that, that's not what we're told to do. It doesn't mean that there's never a time for that. There are times where like, where words are, I mean, the Bible has many words in it, you know? But uh, there are times for it, but those words have to be wise, and we have to be trained in that. And, and the best place to start is to be quiet. Learn, learn when, and, and then only, if you have a tiny bit of wisdom, learn when to just speak that tiny bit of wisdom and then stop. Don't go off on it anymore. Um, and then as you gain wisdom, gain knowledge, you'll be able to talk more and more. But I think a lot of us, you know, again, myself included, I think a lot of us, we need to, we need to start at the basic zero level and just learn when to be quiet. 
uh, that's actually a big reason why I uh, got off Facebook and and social media and stuff during during all the political turmoil and stuff during the Trump presidency. I I, I was one that was getting online and was writing many words, and transgression was not lacking because my pride was coming out. I was I was getting kind of snarky, and uh, you know I, I repent of that. I, I will not do that again. Um, but I, I'm not going to let politics do that to me. That's, that's, but that, that's the reason I got off of social media. And, and also I was, I was getting provoked to sin by reading everybody else's babbling words. You know, everybody else's many words where transgression was not lacking. Um, I was getting provoked into anger and pride and, and, and sin because of that. It was making me angry. And so for me, I know I have a weakness there. So the best thing I can do is stay away from it, learn to be quiet, <laughs> and then learn slowly how to how to how to you know talk about these things in a, in a wiser you know in a more wise way. So I've spent the last few years on that path, and I, I feel like I feel like I'm getting better at it. <laughs> I hope. Verse twenty: The tongue of the righteous is choice silver; the heart of the wicked is of little worth. Now think about what the, the tongue versus the heart is. Way. You, you would think the heart is more valuable than the tongue, right? The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but even the heart, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. It's nothing. The tongue of the righteous is worth more than the heart of the wicked. So it, that's pretty amazing. You can live without your tongue. You can't live without your heart. It seems like the heart would be the most important, but when you're talking about righteousness and wickedness, w- wickedness brings no worth to anything. Wickedness brings no worth. So the heart of the wicked, the only thing it's worth is just keeping the guy alive. You know, and that's if we're speaking in a really literal sense. Um, so we need to keep that in mind as well. Uh, we, we need to watch what we say because the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. We, we have the ability as Christians to really speak blessings to people. Again, not like a magical thing, but we can, we can really bless people with our words. We have to choose those words carefully. We have to take our time, do it slowly. Uh, but if we if we do it right and through God's guidance, we can really bless people, and that's what we want to do. Verse twenty one: The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense. See, so now when you think of you know your mouth, your lips, that, that's where you eat, you know. But it says here. The lips of the righteous feed many. Now, of course, this is spiritual feeding, you know, um, like like the analogy of, of the word of God to, to like spiritual food. Like you're, you're feeding yourself when you're reading the Bible. You're feeding your spirit. Well, the lips of the righteous who are proclaiming truth, that can feed many. But fools die for lack of sense. So now it's not just being beaten with a rod. Seems like that, that, that being beaten from a rod on the back, for lack of sense, is unto death. <laughs> being beaten to death. Because it says that fools die for lack of sense. That's how serious this is. That's how serious a lack of sense or a lack of awareness of not only what you're doing, but what you're putting out into the world, what you're doing to other people. Like, not caring about that. That brings death. Fools die for lack of sense. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I like that this one doesn't even really, I mean, it does have an opposite with the sorrow, but it doesn't have like another kind of character. It's just the blessings of the Lord make rich, 
And here's another quality about that first line. He adds no sorrow with it. So when the, when the Lord is blessing you, if you have sorrow somewhere, that's not from God. That, that's not from the blessing that, that he's giving you. So it could be that you're looking at it in the wrong way. Um, you might have a calling from the Lord that you're not particularly excited about. But if you do it, that calling is a, it's a, it's a blessing to be called by God. Uh, even if you're not excited about doing it. You know, a good example, my, my really good friend Donna Howell, she said this on the air before, so I think it's okay to, to say it. But uh, she, she has said before that she, when she, she's the kind of person she just, she, she doesn't, or at least didn't at the time. She just wanted to be at home writing books, no, no media, didn't want any attention. She, she was, didn't like the idea at all about like being on camera and doing all, doing all this stuff. But she knew she was called for it. She knew God was calling her for it. And, uh, so the sorrow wasn't from the blessing and, you know, of course, Donna knows this, but the, the, the sorrow wasn't from the blessing. The, the, the sorrow wasn't the blessing itself. Uh, the sorrow was coming from somewhere else. And once she, and, and, and she answered the call and I mean, she, she's amazing. Uh, many of you have probably seen Donna Howell on TV and many episodes of Skywatch TV and Jim Baker and, you know, all these places. She's phenomenal. She's really good at it too. Uh, but you, you can see the blessing there, you know? And, and of course, Donna recognizes all of this, but uh, she's, she's talked about it before. So the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. So if God is calling you to do something and if you have some apprehension about it, just do what Donna did. Trust in the Lord. Follow God wherever he leads you and you, you'll see the blessing there. There there will, or at least, even if you never see it, just you can trust that there is blessing there. If it's a true call from God, then there's blessing there and he does not add sorrow with it. 23. Doing wrong is like a joke to the fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Um, and you know people like this, when when somebody does something wrong, if they're if they're a fool, if they're wicked, if they're not if they're not acting righteously, they don't really care about it. Sometimes they'll even scoff at it. Uh, you know, we see this a lot too. Doing wrong is like a joke to the fool. Think about all the sarcasm online. Um, think about people who have hurt you deeply and have never done anything about it, have never apologized, have never even admitted they did anything wrong. Or maybe it's somebody that uh, has hurt you and they apologize and you forgive them. They hurt you again and they keep doing it over and over and over again, knowing that you're going to forgive them and they're taking advantage of you. See, doing wrong is like a joke to a fool. The fool just doesn't care and may even find it funny. But wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. If you're a man of understanding, wisdom, there's pleasure in wisdom. You crave wisdom. You want wisdom from God because that's the ultimate source of wisdom. 24, what the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. That, that's, I think that's a cool one. So if you're righteous, your desires are going to be righteous desires. Now we're sinful, you know, we're, 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 we still have a sin nature, but your, your truly righteous desires, those will be granted. You know, you're a Christian, you love Jesus, you want eternal life, you got it. You know, that's a desire. You, you, you want to live with Jesus forever in eternity, you got it. Um, but what the wicked dreads. So when somebody's behaving badly, what they don't want to happen will come upon him. 
And you see that a lot too. You, you, you see that a lot too. Cause you usually, usually people who act that way, wicked people, a lot of times they're not too smart. Sometimes they are crafty, but ultimately no matter what, uh, there is a judgment coming. So ultimately what the wicked dreads will come upon him. 25. When the tempest passes, tempest is just a storm for those who don't know, but when the tempest passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous is established forever. I think this is talking about the judgment, the final judgment. When, when the tempest passes, when, when the judgment is over, when the storm's over, it, it, it's actually cool because you get a lot of storm imagery in the book of Revelation too, uh, about, about, you know, with God's judgments and stuff during the tribulation and even after. When all that passes, the wicked, they're no more. They're gone. But the righteous are established forever. That's a beautiful promise. And a very, a very scary thing uh, for wicked people. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, we're in verse 26, so is the sluggard to those who send him. So I kind of take this, uh, there's probably a couple different ways, but, you know, a sluggard, a lazy person, uh, who, who's going to send a lazy person? Like, if I'm an employee, and or if I'm an employer, and I have an employee who's just lazy, and I have to send, I have to send him off on a job, well, that's like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, isn't it? Because you know he's going to do a bad job. Um, maybe you're in a situation where you don't have a choice. You know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a child of yours or something or, or some family relationship or so, something like that, where there's something deeper binding you that you can't just fire them and get rid of them, you know? Um, well, to you having to ask that person to do something or go do something for you, knowing that they're going to do it lazy, no, knowing that they're not going to do it right. That's like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. It's ex it, it's excruciating. It's uh, it's it's uncomfortable. It's annoying. It's irritating. It hurts. So it's another good reason why we don't want to be lazy in our jobs or in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenthoods. We we don't want to be lazy with with any of that because it hurts other people. This is something I tell my kids all the time. You know, you don't want to be lazy. Laziness does not benefit you ultimately because laziness always creates more work. Always does. La la laziness doesn't benefit you and all it does is hurt you and hurt everybody else around you every time. Um, so like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. Uh, verse 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. You see that a lot too. Unfortunately, how many people have died early deaths of drug, doing drugs, partying too much, um, d doing things that are wicked and, and wrong, and they lose their, they lose their lives. Uh, but the fear of the Lord, and fear, that's not like, I'm scared, I'm scared. You know, it, it's, a, it's a healthy respect. It's the way that if, if you have a righteous father, like your dad, if your dad's a Christian, you know how... And if he brought you up good and everything, you know, didn't abuse you, you know how you love him and you respect him, but there's like a healthy fear. There's like a healthy respect. You know, if you cross him, it's not like you're worried about being beaten up, but you know, there's a consequence and you know that he's going to righteously exact that consequence onto you. 
It's it's like that. There's a healthy fear. The fear and, and that that fear keeps you from doing wicked things. Oh, if I do this, God might, you know, the, the Bible says this stuff leads to death. So the fear of the Lord actually prolongs life. It helps prevent you from getting into trouble. Um, but the years of the wicked will be short. 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So what we as, like, if, if you're righteous in the Lord, if you're saved, you're a Christian, you're walking with the Lord, you're, you're living right, uh, you, the, the hope, your hope actually will bring joy. But, and, and think about that, like, I, and, and hope in the Bible is not the same as we say hope. Uh, apologize for the background noise. My children are vacuuming upstairs, so if you hear a little bit of that, my apologies. But uh, hope in the Bible, it, it's more of an expectation of something promised, where it's an assured thing. Uh, so eternal life for those who are saved. So if you're righteous, if you're saved, your hope. That brings joy. When I think about that, that brings me joy. But the expectation of the wicked, you know, the, the, the wicked, they usually want material things. That expectation of a material thing, whatever it is, you know, d d drugs, alcohol, it could be anything, really. Um, a TV show they want to watch, you know, whatever. That expectation will ultimately perish because it's not in the right spot. It's not in the right place. They're not wanting for the right things. And I like that it uses uh, it uses the difference between hope and expectation here. Like like hope is an assured thing. Expectation is like I expect that's going to happen. I, I I expect tomorrow I'm going to do this. But what did Jesus tell us? Like, like not to make plans like that because we don't know when the Lord is going to uh, going to take us home. That doesn't mean you don't. That doesn't mean that you be irresponsible and not plan. But uh, it just means don't have a prideful attitude about it. You you have to know that any day could be your last. 29. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the blameless, but destruction to evildoers. And so if you're walking in the way of the Lord, that's that that's like your security, like we talked like we talked about in an earlier verse. You you have a security there walking in the way of the Lord. Um but that way of the Lord, that's destruction to evildoers because that that that's the standard. That's the standard. That's you know, when comes judgment day, God may ask these people, what, why, I say may because I don't know how he's going to word it, but, you know, why did you not walk in my way? Why did you not walk in the, in, in the, in, in the way of, uh, in the way of the Lord? And, and they're not going to have an excuse and they'll be destroyed. The way of the Lord is destruction to evildoers and evil, because evildoers do, don't do it, but they're still held accountable for their actions by that, by that very same way of the Lord. Verse 30, the righteous will never be removed. But the wicked will not dwell in the land. That kind of goes back to the one about the, temp, the tempest, that the, the wind comes, the righteous will stay, and the wicked are gone. But it, it, it parallels with that. The righteous will never be removed. So we're here. This planet's ours. You know, we're, we're kind of in a rough spot right now <laughs> with everything going on with Satan and all that, but God has a plan and he's working it out. And when ultimately all of that is accomplished, the wicked will not dwell in the land. 31. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. So again, if you if you're if you're righteous, the things that you're saying should bring wisdom. And again, with that, it's it's better to start quiet, slow, 
very few words <laughs> and, and, and work up to more. But the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the, fer- the perverse tongue will be cut off. So God really does care a lot about what we say and how we say it. Um, have there have there been times you've had a perverse tongue? You know, many of us have at, at times. Uh, well, I don't want my tongue to be cut off, so we need to knock that off, right? <laughs> and then lastly, and this this parallels again with the previous verse, but verse thirty-two: the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. So it's where's your knowledge? The mouth of the wicked knows all the all the gross jokes, they know all the disgusting things, they know how to be mean and bully and evil, and they know how to say the worst insults you could possibly imagine. You know, that that's the mouth of the wicked. That's what they're knowledgeable in, the perverse. But the lips of the righteous, they know what is acceptable. That's where their knowledge is. They know what they should talk about. Uh, they know what's acceptable. They want to speak truth. Uh, they, 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 they want to separate themselves from the lies of the world. Um, and, and again, this, this also does apply to online. Um, when you're posting things, if you're a Christian, you know, what's acceptable. Uh, if you're posting just wicked, perverse things, then I would say it's time to repent and give your life to Christ. If you haven't already. Um, all right. Well, that really is all I have today. I don't do a lot of Bible studies like this, but uh, I should do more. But that's that's the whole point of sharpening report, to, to sharpen the body. Um, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Uh, it's actually been a blessing to me just to even do it, and I'm, I'm glad that I did. I'm very happy I did. And see, that's the thing, too. When we know that we have something to, that we can do for God, and even if we don't want to do it, we're always glad that we've done it. Every time I, I force myself to do something I don't want to do for God, I'm never disappointed. I, I, I never regret it. Not a single time have I ever regretted it. You know, so uh, so I, I hope that blesses you. I hope that helps. I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to release this as an early release for members on the website, dailyrenegade.com. Uh, so if you're not a member, um, this, this video, if you're watching this on YouTube, this video was already available, has already been available on the website for a while, so you could have got it early. Um, so to, to not miss future chances of that, go ahead and go to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership today. Uh, we would, we would love to have you as part of the family. And, um, but all those watching for free anyway, I'm just, I'm just glad that you, you joined. I really hope that this helps. I I hope this was beneficial. Uh, I pray for you. I ask that you pray for me too. pray for, pray for Nathan. He needs it. Uh, And I know many of you have been praying for him, and thank you so much for that. You have no idea how encouraging that is for us. Uh, And, oh, yeah, and there is a, uh, for those who want to donate to to Nathan for his ongoing health issues, we're trying to go as much of an all-natural route as we can. But because of that, it's expensive and insurance doesn't cover it. So it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. But um, if you wanted, if you wanted to help, you can. There's a donate there's donate information uh, at dailyrenegade.com and I'll probably try to put something in this video as well. But uh, all right, I hope that has helped. Thank you all so much for watching and until next time, love you all. Take care and God bless.
I do want to just initially say thank you to everybody who has supported us through Nathan's journey. Um, for those who aren't familiar, maybe you're just joining for the first time. For the past few years, my son has, uh, my very young son, he's eight now, but he's been dealing with cancer and remission, and now he's in, um, um, he's seeing a holistic health practitioner to cleanse his body from all the damage that the chemo did, which is actually really, really extensive. So, uh, the thing about that is it's not covered by insurance, of course, because it's real medicine and insurance doesn't have a stake in that apparently, but, uh, so we have to pay that out of pocket. Um, so we want to thank everybody who has helped support us. Uh, not not only through prayer and just general love and encouragement, but also financially. It's been a huge help. Um, for those, if you want to know how you can help, if you want to help Nathan, um, best way to do it is uh, just look in the links in the description below. I believe there should be a PayPal address there. Christina posted something on my wall about all this. Uh, and I'll just read it because it gives all the information on how to donate if you want. But she wrote, Josh and I are so thankful for everyone over the years who has been there for us regarding Nathan. He is alive today because of all your generous support. Nathan now goes in for a holistic, completely natural and clean detox every week to undo the leftover damage done by the years of chemotherapy on the long road of recovery, which as you can imagine is very costly. Real holistic, all natural medicine tends to be. Insurance, of course, doesn't cover any of this, but like we tell Nathan, we refuse to put a price on his health. Nathan is getting better every day and loves his new natural health regimen. If you feel led to help us with Nathan's detox, we would be extremely grateful. The best way is either through PayPal or Cash App, and we also have a P.O. Box listed below, and of course, we value everyone's prayers. Thank you so much for helping keep our little guy around. Nathan loves you all. And then the PayPal link is paypal.me slash Josh Peck Disclosure. All one word. J-O-S-H-P-E-C-K-D-I-S-C-L-O-S-U-R-E. Uh, and then the cash app is the dollar sign Josh Scott Peck. All one word. J-O-S-H-S-C-O-T-T-P-E-C-K. And then our P.O. Box is Josh and Christina Peck. P.O. Box 396 Crane, Missouri 656. Three, three. Uh, the easiest way is through PayPal. But um, I just wanted to get that out of the way first, and I wanted to thank everybody who has helped and uh, who's kept us in prayer um, and uh, who's been able to help financially as well. Concerning the economically unstable times that we live in, it is a great idea to convert some of your savings into real money. Now, there is a big difference between real money and what we call money, which is actually just currency. So our dollar is currency which fluctuates. Real money, on the other hand, like silver, for example, is a store of value over time. The best way to think of it is like this. If you had saved $1,000 in cash back in the late 60s, the late 1960s, that $1,000 would still be $1,000 technically, but it would buy you significantly less today due to inflation. Now, if you had saved that same $1,000 in silver, back in the 1960s. Today, it would be worth around $28,000. So one of the best ways to protect your purchasing power is in real money, more specifically silver. 
You can buy and have the metal shipped discreetly to your door. And what most people don't know is that you can actually convert your IRA or even a 401k into physical silver rather than having all of your life savings tied up in the paper fiat system, which is subject to hyperinflation. Go to dailyrenegade.com and click on the Cornerstone Assets Metals banner. This is the only company that I personally trust with this kind of thing. Click on that and sign up to get your free silver report today. One of the financial experts will speak with you to find out the best way to protect your savings going forward in these uncertain times. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.